Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 109 of Yogaland. And this is also episode three of our summer series on creating a sustainable practice. So today, Jason and I have a nice conversation about poses that we used to overlook in our practice that have now become favorites. And the reason I wanted to include this conversation in the series is because I think it helps speak to taking the long view of yoga practice and that our perception of things changes over time and our bodies change over time. Our level of awareness changes over time and then our practice changes with us and it's a pretty cool thing. So I'm just going to leave the intro short and sweet. I hope you're enjoying the summer series. If you are, please leave an iTunes review or rating or share it on Instagram or share it wherever you share. And also don't forget to hop on our newsletter. I am actually creating some supporting content for this series, some blog posts, and you will find out first if you subscribe to the newsletter, which you can do on our homepage, jasonyoga.com. Okay, enjoy the conversation. Hey, hey, hey. Hi, Jason. Hey, Andrea. How you I'm doing? sorry, I was mid, I was like mid-yawn. You were mid-inhale. Was I? Yes, you were. All right. You were mid-inhale. We are going to talk about some fun stuff today. Yep. And I thought I would start by reading some great responses that I got on Instagram to the question. Well, I posted, I did a post about how much I love the pose Parsvakonasana, a side angle pose. And it's really true. Like I pretty much love every version, variation of this pose. When I'm practicing at home, like I just want to stay there and or go back to it over and over again. And when I first started doing yoga, I thought it was, I didn't get it. I thought it was so boring. I thought it was so easy because I'd come from ballet and I was already very open. And I just, I thought it was snooze fest. What do you think it is now? I just you um, like the shape, you like uh, the engagement, yeah. you like what? Well, so I really think it's the pose that taught me how to use my legs, okay, and engage my legs. I think I was really just like sitting in the pose for a long time. So it's one of the few standing poses where if I use my legs, I can actually ground the outer edge of my back foot. Uh-huh. Whereas like I can't really quote totally in Warrior One and et cetera, et cetera. But okay. So I can feel, I like the feeling of both legs working and just like feeling very strong and stable. Okay. And then I like the rotation of the torso and just how, how opening it is for me. I don't, did you, did you say to our audience, I know you said Parshra Konasana, but did you say side angle pose? I did. Okay. Okay. Just yeah. making sure. Yeah. 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 I like those things about that pose. I've always liked that pose. And for me, it's a pretty decent inner leg opener. Like my adductors just get so tight that it's a, also a it's a good, stable, strong pose for me. But there's also good, efficient leverage for my adductors. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that I actually don't feel that at all. And I think that that also speaks to why I didn't like it at first is that I couldn't feel anything. Right, 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 right. But I don't think that the reason I feel now is that I'm older and tighter in that particular pose. Right. I just think it's actually the awakening of awareness that has happened over the years. I think you've also come to appreciate strength. Yeah, that's true. You know, so the feeling of just being strong and stable and kind of the 
not the stretchiness of the pose, but the but the shtira, this 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 sort of steadfast engagement of the pose. Mm-hmm. And there's one other thing. So I started yoga mostly in the Ashtanga system, and the other thing that used to stress me out about the pose was the way it was taught to me, which may not be correct, but I I have no idea. But because I'm not an Ashtanga practitioner anymore, but the way it was taught to me was that the upper arm was very close to the ear and that you were the gaze was at the fingertips yeah 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 and i just always the externalization of the drishti is a problem it it always really really hurt my neck and so giving that up and also like gazing down the armpit it's just created so much freedom for me yeah those are all the reasons can i hit pause sure i know you want to read this drishti we want to understand drishti on two layers one which is you can't you can externalize the idea of a drishti, meaning the drishti is the thing that you are looking at. But in a broader, deeper, more important understanding, it's the quality with which you are looking. Mm. So I think that it's really important, even though some systems externalize the drishti and, and they say, you know, it's the hand or it's this. I think it's much more important to not externalize the drishti, but internalize the drishti so that what you're doing is you are positioning the head and neck in a place that is reasonable and commensurate with the rest of your body, because if it's not, I don't care what you're looking at, the pose doesn't fit. And then secondly, if you are going to work with drishti to internalize it, meaning you understand drishti as uh, as the quality of the gaze, not the thing that you are looking at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unpause. I like that. Yep. I like that a lot. And that is true that that so many of us in modern life really struggle with he- tension in the head and neck. Yes. We're already so to 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 come into a yoga room and to kind of try to force the head and neck one way or the other for the sake of an outer gaze is it's usually pretty challenging for most people. Even I will say one thing, when I would spot the photo shoots at Yoga Journal, when I would help the models with their poses and I would look at them. I would look at how it appeared on the screen. I would just help coach their poses. I mean, these people could be the most adept practitioners in the world. Most people, the instruction that I had to give was something with the neck. Yeah. Was something where they didn't realize they were straining to look somewhere. They didn't realize their neck was forward. They didn't realize there was just simple strain there. Yeah, yeah, It's it's so common, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So what did some of the readers say in response to your story about Parshva Konasana? I got some really, really great responses that I want to read. So first, this one is from Lizzie Lassiter, who everyone knows, and I couldn't agree more. She says... Uh, So in answer to the question, is there a pose, would love to know if you have a pose that you once overlooked, but is now a favorite and why. And Lizzie says, all the simple poses used to find them super boring. Now my practice is basically dog, cobra, triangle, supported bridge, coffee. I would reverse that order. (laughs) (laughs) You could do it in either order. Fair enough. Yes. Naomi from Detroit Yoga Lab says, Shavasana, dead serious, the use of a sandbag on my belly made me fall in love more than I ever thought possible. I'm so impressed that Naomi still has a sandbag. That's awesome. Yeah, put it on your femurs. There are not very many places that have sandbags anymore, but sandbags are the bomb. Okay. I said I'd prefer a bag of cement. (laughs) It's a 40-pound bag of cement. Like a dry... That might be how it was created. Now, plate weights, that's how they always used to use them. Okay. Anyways. I love that you have that little bit of trivia. The trivia is deep. 
in this in this brain. But then you for argued almost with nothing, me about, like for almost nothing. But then you argued with me about the fact that the reason you call a strap a belt is because it actually <laughs> used to be a belt. Not a, did I argue that? Yes. Okay, we're gonna have to revisit that. Yeah, we do. Okay, another I'm another. That it used to be a belt. I was saying it probably used to be a belt, which is why it was no. called a belt. From yeah, Iyengar's yoga jeans, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's no, right. it didn't used to be a belt. All right. So they like. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of the Iyengar props were came from some of the the high level students that were in the world of engineering, including Ramanand. So that sort of the use of props was its own was its own little subset. Well, anyways, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. A lot of. Anyway, okay. Ariel K. Curry says, "Cobra pose." I always thought, "Why for, settle for cobra if I can just do up dog?" But now I take time to enjoy the sensations in my back and appreciate how hard my muscles are working. I fo- focus less on what it looks like I'm doing and more on what I'm actually doing. Okay, this is one that I relate to so much. Nina says, down dog. It used to feel like the worst strain to be there for any length of time beyond two breaths. But with a lot of practice, it now feels stable, stretchy, and like the effort is evenly distributed. Sometimes it's even restful. Oh, another one that I relate to. Am I just reading all of these because I relate to them all so well? Well, we all do. That's how we work. Zoe says, mine is Satu Bandhasana. I used to find it awful, and now I find it empowering and strong. And How about some of the ones that reference me? And then, um, let's see, one more. Kale Karina, Bakasana, because I thought it was only for the strong and flexy folk. Plus, I watched a friend topple over onto her nose and make it bleed. But to date, it's my biggest accomplishment, and I love it despite going into it super cautiously every time. Those are good. Yeah, they're all yeah. really good. Yeah. Erica says, half moon, sorry, last, last, last one. That's fine. Half moon. I used to think my teachers were just messing with me. I was. I was, including it so often, I'd fall over, I'd fall out of it over and over and over and over. But now that the balance is easier, it's one of my favorites. I love how I can stretch out in all directions. I love the grounding. I love the challenge of looking up. Love, love, love. Nice. Yeah. So our relationship to poses changes, right? I mean, it's just the nature of things. And... Do you know what are the biggest ones that have changed for me? I don't. Oh, come on. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously you hated Uttanasana when you started Yeah, out, but I still so do. You probably still hate it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, Uttanasana is not so bad. It's Pachimottanasana that's merciless. Okay. Yeah. So what else would, would have changed for you over time? I mean, you've always been really strong. Utita Hastaparangusasana? Oh, yeah. I guess Utita Hastaparangusasana. Because you've opened up a bit. Yeah, because that poses... Nice and simple for me. I prone backbends. Prone backbends. Face down backbends. Yes. Locust, cobra, Danyarasana. Like I, those things used to just be the absolute worst. And here's, here's sort of the, the math on them, which was I had to work a lot and I wouldn't go far and I couldn't breathe. Yeah. And I never liked that exchange. Right. Now, I work a lot, I don't go far, and I can't breathe, but I understand the value in them. So I think the the thing that was so different is that I didn't understand that those weren't primarily range of motion poses. Same here. You know what I mean? Like, I just didn't get it. I just thought everything was about going far because I totally misunderstood what this discipline was. So if I had to work hard and not go far, 
I saw that as a problem, not as an asset. Mm -hmm. And now I see those as just as probably being more functionally valuable to the modern, uh, to people living in a modern world than pretty much any other yoga pose. Or, or at least as much, if not more so. So I just have an incredible value and respect for those now. Yeah, I, I actually have an exact experience that you're talking about. Sarah Powers used to do them a lot. James Higgins used to do them a lot. And I, I felt like James Erica. Higgins. Have you, do you remember him in his prone backbends? Photos of him in his prone backbends? You know, he didn't practice during class, so I don't remember. From Yoga Journal. I don't remember. Okay, you spotted the shoot. Anyways, prone backbends were so deep. Now you're going to make me feel bad. That don't I feel bad. Anyway, he was wearing love, a light blue shirt. I love you, James. You he know was wearing that a light blue shirt. Ever and ever. Light blue okay, shirt. His right. head was shaved. Yeah. Remember that? I was the not details? on that shoot. Okay. Jennifer Rodriguez. Okay. So, yeah, he had a ridiculously deep. And once in a while, you will find people that can create big range of motion in those poses. But I think, you know, we've been thinking and talking about sustainability, right? Right. So I don't want to say that flexibility is unsustainable. It is really important to develop flexibility. But I think that one of the things that both you and I have somewhat begrudgingly acknowledged over the years is the role that functional movement and strength uh, plays in a healthy system. And so for me, the poses that, I mean, I still love to open up. I still love to stretch. I still love to elongate. I still love to expand. I still love to release the, the deep-seated tension that my body has. That's implicit. The, me, the big trend that I've seen over the years is the value and then therefore the pleasure that I have in simple, low range of motion, but high effort to execute poses. Like mm -hmm. I, and you know what I've been doing with my, uh, with my advanced classes is teaching them one-legged bridge pose. That pose is so simple. But if you want to see a group of like in shape, mid 20 somethings, just start to come apart, make them do one-legged bridge pose. That was another Sarah Powers special. Oh my and God. And I would be cursing her in my head the entire time. You know what I mean? It's so funny to watch because so many of these students are, you know, they're really healthy. They're really strong. They're really fit. They're really good practitioners. They can do handstands and transitions. I mean, not all of them, but but some of them can. But yet to a, to a T, you put any one of them in one-legged bridge pose, a couple repetitions, and they're holding their breath, they're shaking, they're struggling, right? So the poses that are simple to do, but difficult to do, if that makes sense, are the poses that, that I have so much more appreciation for than I used to. Whereas I'll flip that, which is some of the poses that look way harder than they actually are, are poses that I find, I find less value to. I want to just say one thing before I ask you more about that, okay. which is the other thing that helped me to like, or I would say appreciate the prone backbends is that when I started going to physical therapy for various repetitive stress work things, what did they have me do? Prone backbends yeah. every time. When I went to physical therapy, I had like a, some issues in my arm and my shoulder after my breast cancer surgery. I've been to two rounds of physical therapy. What does she have me do? She has me do shoulder work and 
from my belly and yeah. prone back bend. So it's kind of like been, it's like taken me years to, to see that value, to see the value. Yeah. But when you have an injury and then you do this very simple movement where you're not going very far, but it, you do this very simple movement and you repeat it and you feel better, you kind of go, oh, okay, yeah. I get it now. I get it. The only problem with these poses is that they're very boring to look at on Instagram. Yeah, they are. They are. And then it's so the irony is, is but unbelievable. But but see, this is also why we didn't like them at first. Because yes, even though we exactly weren't right. on Instagram, we were like, I don't look good. I feel yucky. Exactly. I feel because stuck. we had no real understanding of what this actually is. It just felt, yeah, very unexciting and yeah. unglamorous. They're yeah. very unglamorous. The thing that works in a a visual medium is uh, things that appear dramatic mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and so we'll see this as like we were just sort of i won't we were just sort of looking randomly however before we started this episode at that one photo of that like unbelievably awful version of urdhva that thousands of people like because it looks visually dramatic yeah because the wrong things are happening it showed up in my feed because i follow hashtag yoga Oh, I just okay. decided I would just follow hashtag yoga yeah. and see what appeared in my feed. Yeah. And yes, those are kind of... So when you sort of make kinks in the body, it appears dramatic, mm. right? So when you overextend the thoracolumbar junction, when you overextend the sacrolumbar junction by rotating the pelvis the wrong way in yeah. a backbend, yeah. it appears dramatic because it creates more more visual shape, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that that this is I mean I didn't mean to go on this tangent because I was joking when I said when I said it earlier but that the irony of this is that over the years I think if we have a more developed refined understanding of the depth of this practice the simpler things that add functional value to our daily life are the things that we're going to gravitate towards and then the things that are just dramatic expressions of something once in a while, we'll still work on it, but I don't think anyone needs help with a dr- with having more drama. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> we don't actually need more more help appreciating or focusing on something dramatic. We need help appreciating and engaging with things that are actually useful. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and not not to make too much of a false dichotomy. I don't I don't want I don't I don't want to set up some unnecessary separation where. You know, only Tadasana and Locust are valuable yoga poses, you know, but we do have to sort of step back and say, I mean, I say this to myself all the time, which is, is this shape actually valuable to a human body? Does it actually contribute to the functionality of a human body? Or is it a human trick? You know, and I will say this is that I had a phase of my yoga where I had to have human tricks. I think that that's a normal phase, you know? There are still human tricks that I'm working on. It's like the tricky human things or the little vanity projects or not even the vanity Just projects. Fun. But yeah, 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 Just yeah, yeah. Fun exactly. In your body. Exactly. Yeah. The sort of experimentation and the pushing the threshold is still valuable to me and it is still valuable to everyone that practices. But but I don't overvalue it like I used to and I don't undervalue the sort of more simple functional things the way I used to undervalue it. It, Everything has come to greater parity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a pose, there's a photo that I stumbled upon of you the other day. I can't remember why or where, but I, it's one of the poses that is like a big pose 
And, you know, it's not one that I would imagine you care about anymore. Okay. Was you doing Scorpion? Yeah, I can do Scorpion. Here's the thing. Scorpion's a really easy pose for me, but I'm lousy at it. So, so uh, no, I'm not lousy at it. So here's the thing. I can do Scorpion fine on my hands. I can do Scorpion fine on my forearms. But I don't have a lot of range of motion. Right. Right? So I don't, I don't think that that's a pose that I do unless I'm trying to teach someone else how to do it. That's kind of what I was... That was kind of the point I was making. Maybe yeah. I wasn't being clear. My point was, if we take this in the inverse and say, what's a pose that you used to practice and really enjoy doing that you this don't really... That I just don't Doesn't actually, do it for yeah, you yeah. anymore. Scorpion's you one, you know, a, another one that comes up that comes like totally front to mind is Ekapada Bakasana 1, where the leg is going up and back. Uh-huh. That pose is awful. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, similar to Ekapada Galavasana, but, but the, yeah. the one... I, I like Ekapada Galavasana. Yeah, I do too. Um... Ekapada Bakasana 1, I joke with my students all the time. Like, I, I do teach that pose from time to time because I wanted to learn that pose. It's a really hard pose. But then once I learned that pose, I realized like, oh, I can do this pose, but I, I don't like it. You don't enjoy it. I don't much. enjoy the shape. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think sometimes you have to to be able to do something to realize like, oh, I just needed to scratch that itch and now I can, now it's no big deal. So I joke with my students all the time when I teach it that I try that at least once a year to see if I can still do it. And then that buys me another year of not having to do it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And although I don't really do it, I'm going to teach it to you because <laughs> you might have a different feeling about the pose than I did. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, scorpion is is something I used to work on a lot. No, I can still do it fine, but I don't spend much time working on it. Ekapada Bakasana. I would say those are two of the two of the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. That's what stands up. But you know what's harder for me? I know it's a little different topic. Binding is harder than it used to be for me. me that too. is the only thing. Everything that I could do asana wise, ten years ago I can do today. I can do it today better. Because I don't work as hard in it, I can relax a little bit more in it, I've refined the technique in it. So in terms of my postural, postural vocabulary, I haven't lost my ability to do things with the exception a little bit of my Ordvidzanyarasana and my Vipradadandasana just because of a longstanding shoulder injury in, the, in that position. But what has gotten hard, most things have gotten easier for me and better. What's gotten harder for me are binds. My shoulders are just not as mobile. I do more things that require that stiffen up my shoulders than I used to. And I'm not I'm not as diligent as I used to be about shoulder range of motion. And I really feel that in binds. I can still I can still all the binds I used to be able to do, I can still do. But man, they used to be so easy. Yeah, it used to be the case. I didn't feel anything in yeah. my shoulders. Now it's like, oh my God, I, this is all shoulder. Yeah. 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 Um, add 
one more pose to my list of poses that I used to not like that I do now. And this has been such a long time coming for me and it's headstand. And so I used to love you headstand. You have been doing headstand lately, haven't you? Yeah. I, yeah. Used, I used to love the after effect, the energetic after effect of headstand. Um, I just find it so soothing. And I think it, yeah, I think it's a good pose. It's thought to be a good pose for soothing pitta. And so I really felt that. It just kind of stopped the mental ruminations. But I would always inevitably feel neck yeah. and shoulder pain the next day yeah and i don't anymore and guess what i think it's because of all the locust poses yeah, and all you, of the shoulder, the shoulder str- and shoulder. upper back strength yeah. that i've yeah. been working on i yeah. finally have figured out how to do that pose are you doing it for different durations are you doing it for shorter than you like were you doing it mostly in iyengari kind of classes and and doing it long i could and never now you're doing it i was never really like a solid everyday five minute headstand okay. type of person okay. i was like maybe a three minute headstand type of person okay. and i can do I do now like one to three minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't time it, but I just, I don't worry about it. I just do it for as long as it feels good. Yeah. So that's been kind of an exciting change. Yeah, that sounds good. And so there's one more question I want to ask, and that is one reason I wanted to 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 introduce this topic is because I wanted to talk about the benefits of a long term sustainable practice in this context of how much it awakens your awareness. So I'm wondering if there's a pose you can think of where you just actually didn't used to feel anything. And now there's different proprioception or different feeling of your body in space, or just like, let's say another thing for me with Parsvakonasana is I, because I was sinking into my front thigh, I couldn't even feel my inner back thigh. And that was actually a big problem for me in general, was never really using my adductors. So is there anything that's kind of just with awareness practice has kind of lit up for you in your practice? Oh, that's a good question. And I th- I don't know that I can answer it directly because I think that yes and no. Uh, actually, no and yes. Not yes and no, no and yes. So what I'm saying no to is, you know, there's never really been a pose that I didn't quote unquote feel. You know what I mean? Like that's the difference about one of the differences. Even of, down dog? Oh, I guess you oh did my feel God, are Sorry. You kidding I'm just thinking me? you were so strong. You didn't oh, maybe feel God. it. Yeah. <laughs> Your hamstrings. Oh God. <laughs> Everything. Sorry. Still. Mm-hmm. No, actually down dogs chill. Except for my calves. My calves bleed a little bit. I think the upside, depending on how you frame it, right? The upside of having less range of motion in your body is you really feel everything because one of the main things that provides proprioceptive awareness are your ligaments so if you have hypomobility so if your mobility is uh, sort of less than average not now my mobility is more than average right because i've done this for a long time but when you have less range of motion you don't have to go far to feel your body in space When you have more range of motion, especially when you have hyperextending joints, you have to go further to feel your body in space. Mm -hmm. So in terms of proprioceptive awareness, it's always been able, I've always been able to feel my entire body in almost every pose. Wow. Which I think is one of the reasons that 
I gravitated when I gravitated to Iyengar-based yoga because I could understand a lot of the instructions because I could feel everything. You know what I mean? Like I could feel things because everything was under demand. There wasn't a part of my body where I was like, where's that thing? Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and it's that's so it's always been the case. It's sort of like it's an exaggeration, but imagine living a life in a scuba suit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like every movement you make, you are going to feel your entire body because you have you have a more tensile nature. And so you're going to feel those motions. I think that's a huge advantage as a yogi. Because range of motion can be frustrating, but in terms of body awareness, it's it's heightened. It's really, really skillful. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's a lot of times people that are hypermobile that they can go far, but a lot of times the skill is just not it there. It took me forever to figure out where to put my body in space. Yeah, Forever. This is sort of the thing too, sort of really quickly to go back to Instagram, which is there are plenty of people with high range of motion that have amazing technique. A lot don't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because they just, it's just, when a body just has the ability to go everywhere, it's really difficult to, for people to know where it is. Yeah. So, so I've always really felt my body in pretty much everything that hasn't, changed over time but what is different is my appreciation of that so my appreciate it's not pose specific but it's more the meta narrative of instead of being bummed out that my leg doesn't go behind my head kind of happy that i can feel my leg even when i walk up the stairs Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean or whatever it is you know so it's more the changing of the values and the appreciation of that big level macro spatial awareness and how that facilitates attention and then not getting hung up about that. You know, I have decent flexibility and good range of motion and so forth, but I can't do extreme shape. And that's, and, and being genuinely very content with that reality. That's mm-hmm. what has shifted. Mm-hmm. How about you? Oh, I feel my body so much more than I used to. And, and part of that is just age yeah, and not being as naturally flexible as I used to be. But I think most of it is just this like feeling of awakening in my body that yoga has created, you know, helped me create. Yeah. And so it's infinitely more interesting to feel your body than to not feel your body. Yeah. It used to, I used to just feel in a lot of poses like, eh, okay, I'm doing this again, like doing Pashimottanasana again. Okay. All right, now I'm doing Janu Shashasana again. Okay, ow, now I'm doing the Marichasana series, you yeah. know? Um, so it was like I either felt nothing or I felt extreme sensation. Yeah. And now it's yeah. all a lot more even. That's good. And it's just afterward all feels more even instead of, you know, either feeling nothing or feeling a surprising pain in my knee because yeah. I did something I shouldn't have done. Right. So it's it's interesting. It's like... I think that it is, again, one of the benefits of long-term practice and, and uh, you know, a little silver lining of, of aging in this body is that the simple things become more engaging. Yeah. It's making me think, I, I heard this, uh, I'll sort of butcher, I, I won't butcher, it's a clear idea. I think I heard Leslie Kamenoff say something along these lines that, I don't know, in some context. I don't remember if he was sort of expressing this sentiment or if he was expressing the sentiment from 
Desika Char or someone else. I don't really sort of remember, but that's sort of interesting thing. He's, he sort of said it like this. He said something along the lines of, are you focused on moving your body through space or are you focused on feeling the space inside the body, right? And I think what I sort of take from that is for me and my practice, I, over the years, I've become less focused on sort of moving through things and the size of the size of the backbend and more just the pure feeling of the pose, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just the feeling of my body and the shape mm-hmm. and not thinking if I have, I'm making up a number, but not thinking like, oh, if I have 25 degrees of spinal extension, let me get to 27. Now it's. Let me fully immerse myself in the feeling of 25 mm-hmm. instead of thinking, oh, but then if I can get 26, it'd be better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and I think that I, again, it's not, and trust me, I don't want 24. You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't want, I don't want anyone to think like that I don't still really prioritize my body's current capacity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I think that's another thing as we have age, and I've noticed this with a, a lot of People, students that are my age or students that are older who are longtime practitioners is they work hard. Yeah, you do work hard. And they appreciate it. Right. And you know what? I work in some ways, I work physically harder than I ever have, including when I was a high school athlete. Not in my yoga, but in everything else, right? I'm not saying that at this phase of my life, I'm acquiescing to my age at all. But I am appreciating it and realizing how much I need to work in a skillful way that that helps me stay healthy and and comfortable and and fit. The quote-unquote deepening of my yoga practice isn't going from 25 degrees of motion to 27 degrees of motion anymore. That's a, a new student's way of understanding deepening. Now it's how fully immersed can I be in this one experience, not can I go further? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. where it's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, another way to interpret that that quote, whoever, whoever it's attributed to, is... Um, we can give it to Leslie. Okay. For all he cares, he doesn't care. It would be my guess. Really focusing on the internal experience of the pose and, yes. like, and, and the actual cre- uh, space that you can create on a really, really subtle level. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think that that does it for today. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. I want to hear, I want people to post. I want to hear more of these. More. So more poses that you used to overlook overlook, and are now a favorite. Yeah. Or a pose that used to be a favorite that you now just feel sort of like, eh, huh. it's fine. I've and had I've, my time. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you post those and use the hashtag YogalandStories. Thanks for listening. We are looking forward to checking the hashtag Yogaland stories and seeing your posts of poses that you used to overlook that you now count as an integral part of your practice or a favorite moment in your practice. I really do love just seeing you all out there and connecting with you in this way. It's really kind of a nice, nice benefit, even though I mostly work out of my daughter's room. Also, I will put show notes at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 109. All right, everyone. Hope you are enjoying this summer season. Until next week, enjoy your practice. Yeah.